Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every single week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. And um, it's going to be an interesting start to this episode because for anyone who's unaware, we've been doing convention prep for the last... Forever. Forever. I mean, it ended a while ago. But, you know, we've still kind of been in the mindset because we were going to a convention Mm -hmm. at the end of October. And guess what, guys? We went... Basically last week yeah. uh, from when we were recording this. So two weeks before from when you this, hear it. Yeah, episode comes out. And, you know, during our convention prep, especially towards the end of it, we've talked about, like, doing a convention wrap-up episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I pulled up to the recording studio today. Recording studio? You make it sound so official. It's just my spare bedroom, Ben. Well, be sure. And I was like, what are we doing? And Bob was like, you want to do a convention episode? I was like... I don't, I don't know. I don't really have much to say. I know you do, but yeah, it's going to be real, real short of an episode, like maybe 15, 30 minutes. And so we were like, fuck it. We're just going to do it on this one. So I'm just going to let Bob take care of it because I know he has particular stuff he wants to talk about. Yeah, I do. Oh, okay. I'm just this, is, this is me telling you to go. Yeah. Oh, okay. I had a really good time at the convention. I thought it was really fun. The coolest. Look, okay. So I'm <laughs> glad you had fun. <laughs> we yeah. prepped for like three months. Yeah, I know. The big thing for me is I was, like, excited to meet people and get sign- autographs and stuff and, like, everything. I did not know how fun the panels were going to be. Oh, the panels are the best Because I've never, I've never been to a convention like this before. So I was like, mm, panels seem kind of semi-interesting. Nah, panels are awesome. Yeah, Bob had never been to a panel before because you went to – what convention was it? Oh, this was in, like, when I was in high school. It was, like, a, a nerd convention. It was, like, convention. Lexington Comic Con, essentially. Yeah, and – um. From how Bob tells it, he was just in line the whole time. Yes. For, I, what's his name? I sat in line for Matthew Mercer for like a whole day. Yeah. And um, so he didn't go to any panels. But yeah, panels are the best parts of conventions. No. Yeah. Like panels were so good. I enjoy getting signatures from people. I think that's like it can be really cool mm-hmm. because if you plan it out, hey, it's sometimes nice to meet people because uh, sometimes you'll meet some really nice people and they'll talk to you and stuff like that. And that could be really cool. But also if you plan it out, you can get like some nice artwork and stuff. To decorate your room. Um, <laughs> we did. And so those are cool, but the panels are always the most interesting part. No, yeah. And I, I just wanted to highlight my favorite panel, which was by far the director panel they did with Tom Savini, Greg Nicotero, and Damien Leone. Because the whole panel, first of all, I don't know if the audience knows this, but Greg Nicotero and Tom Savini have worked together on stuff. Like yeah, quite um, a lot of stuff. They both got their start with... Well, together, but very mm-hmm. specifically with, like, Romero and stuff. Uh, we talked about Greg Nicotero on the Day of the Dead episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they all work together on that film. And, you know, now I we talk about Tom's video on the show, but we, we haven't really talked about Greg Nicotero a lot. Mm-hmm. He's, like, uh, directs The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. stuff. He show runs Creepshow, like the show that's, com- mm-hmm. that's coming out. Really big. Yeah. And... We, uh, we've talked about Damien Lone. He's the director for Terrifier. He also does the special effects for that mm-hmm. because that's how he got his start. Yeah. And um, very specifically, his heroes are Greg Nicotero and Damien Leone. You mean Tom Savini. You Tom said Savinia. his name again. I did say his name again. But yeah, his heroes are Tom Savini and Greg Nicotero. And the funniest part of that panel, you, you can talk about some actual experiences if okay. you want. But I, the most entertaining part of that panel was... The whole time, you could tell Damien Leone was trying not to have, like, a fanboy freakout on stage. Yeah. Well, I think the best part was Greg Nicotero and Tom Savini were just, like, shooting the shit with each other because they're friends. And Damien was just sitting in the corner just watching, like, oh, my God. 
They're talking. <laughs> I'm I'm watching. And we were all just the audience was just laughing. Like it was first of all, those people are very, very funny. Tom Savini is incredibly funny. One of the funniest people I think I've ever heard speak in my life. But I also love the man. So, you know, maybe I'm biased. Well, yeah. Maybe I'm a yeah. little biased. No, that panel was super sick because like I don't know. I guess I'd never really I've never listened to like director commentary on stuff, but hearing the way they actually like worked on stuff and like their methods when it came to doing special effects makeup was super, super dope. Yeah. Panels are a lot like some director commentary and behind the mm-hmm. scenes stuff. I will say stuff you can find on like Blue Ridge and stuff tends to be a little bit more focused mm-hmm. um, because it happens usually once they've had time to think about the film and stuff. Yeah. Or right after the film is done taking place. So you can get nicer stories about the film. However, people tend to be a lot more uh, open and mm-hmm. less scripted during panels. Yeah. Which is always really interesting. But besides that panel, there was a couple good ones. Oh, the Creepshow panel was fun. There's a Creepshow panel. Even though I've never seen that movie, but now I really fucking want to. Yep. And it sucks. Day of the Dead panel. We talked that about one that was one dope. a little bit. Uh, there was a Jaws panel. Which that one was, was cool, too. Really good. Mm-hmm. And what else was there? Uh, the killer panel they did with all the uh, killers that were there. Yeah, they had a bunch of different uh, killers there. Which I'll I'll just say this: the highlight of that panel was Doug Bradley. <laughs> yeah, Pinhead showed up to the convention. I didn't know he was there. It was super cool. He was so interesting to hear talk. He had so many cool stories. Yeah, he's a cool dude. But yeah, all the panels were fun. Uh, I just want to go over this, Bob. What was the big thing you got signed at the convention? You got three things. Yeah. Signed. What I got I got a, a few things. Are you talking about the big thing? Like well, the physically th- large thing I got signed? Well, you got three things, so you can just tell me what they were. Okay. Uh, so, of course, with the basically the entire cast of Terrifier 2 there, I had to get something for ter- Terrifier related. It's also like, you know, our episode zero of the podcast, episode 50, is that what we did? I don't know. I believe so. It wasn't episode 50. It was the 50th movie we'd watched. Yeah. Because this is episode 53, technically. Technically. So much side content. It's insane. And they had an official, like, Terrifier merch booth, and they had a bunch of different prints from the movie. They had, like, the OG Terrifier 2 poster. They had, like, a couple of different versions of it. They had a bunch of really, really dope prints that I'd never even seen before. Like, I didn't know they made them. But they had a, what size is that poster? Like, 36 by 11? No, it's, like, 27 by 17 or something like that. It's one of the bigger sizes. Yeah, it's a pretty big poster, but it's a very large poster of the most gruesome part of Terrifier 2. I'm going to call it the slug sequence because oh, God, I think that's funny. S- oh, you can call it a slug all you want, but it's But gross. it's basically an alternate poster. Yeah, for Terrifier 2. And I got Damian Leone and David Howard Thornton to sign that. Yep. And that was fucking sick. David Howard Thornton is the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. He's very funny. He's hilarious. He's nice. Very, very different uh, than Art the Clown. I'll put that out there. I was very... Like, you know how some people are like... I don't know. I guess I just didn't expect him to be such a funny guy. But now I'm looking at it. I'm like, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, fair enough. He's always just making random ass jokes <laughs> that are just out of nowhere. Very entertaining. I also bought a Day of the Dead print and I got Tom Savini, Terry Alexander, Darla Conroy, and uh, Sarah Cardell to sign all that. It was super dope. They're all so nice. So nice. It was so cool. Like, because I actually like talked to Sarah for a while at her booth and she was like, Super duper nice. Last thing. And this is something I debated on. So, you know, Kane Hodder was there. And me and Ben were like, ah, get something Friday 13th related maybe. Get a mask. I was like, I don't know if I want to get a mask or something Friday. I ended up just getting a Victor Crowley print. 
yeah. and get him to sign that because I think that's actually way sicker. Specifically, the movie Victor Crowley. Yeah, we managed to find a poster in a bin. So, so yeah, that's it what was super down. dope. Got a cool Halloween shirt. That was another thing. I finally have some Halloween merch for God's sake. We well, have the why well, Blu-ray. Well, yeah, no, I mean like, look, I don't own a lot of clothes in general. Like I have like. Trent <laughs> likes to make fun of me at work. He's I have got an array this ho- homeless chic going on. <laughs> no, I have an array of uh, blue jeans and neutral color t-shirts. <laughs> That's my entire wardrobe because I don't fucking buy clothes. I don't ever see the need to clothes you found or that <laughs> as well. So I actually like spending money on a t-shirt for a movie or something was a was a big leap for me because I just don't buy clothes like that. But it's super sick. It's like the original Halloween cover t-shirt yeah super nice and then last thing i got like a og halloween 2 like movie poster print that was pretty sick Mm -hmm. with like the it looks like it would be on the back of a blu-ray or something or like the way it's it's like paneled it's really cool yeah it it looks from like the 1960s style Mm -hmm. it's a custom poster yeah super dope yeah it's not no we can actually go into the episode though you have nothing else you were talking about not really okay i got a terrifier 2 poster signed yeah. Who'd I get? I got the little pale girl, uh, Emily McLean. You got uh, uh, Lauren Levera, who's Lauren also Levera's super nice. So Sienna's signature. And then I got uh, David Howard Thornton and David Leone as yeah. well. I will say signatures were more expensive than expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because of the SAG after strike. Maybe, yeah, that probably makes sense. I hadn't considered that when we went, but that's probably why. We were talking about it on the drive home because neither of us brought as much money as we should have because mm-hmm. we were expecting it to be cheaper like based on experience well i had no experience i was going based on what ben told me based on my experience and i brought extra cash and then still needed to go to an atm yeah it was it was pretty expensive this year and everyone had like agreed on the same rates mm-hmm. like at every booth so. except for Kane otter except for some people were more expensive mm-hmm. which that makes sense his line was out the fucking door basically the entire time we were there yep so yeah, on that note, though, I guess we can go into horror news because I know Bob has some stuff to talk about. <laughs> I have some funny stuff to talk about. Do you, you, you want to start? Yeah. So while we're on the topic of Terrifier and Damien Leone, I was on Twitter and I look. They had Damien Leone. Pe- tons of people had asked him about Terrifier three because everyone knew it was happening, but he kept saying, "I can't give anything away because spoilers. Like I'm not allowed to like say anything because you know people." want to be excited about this movie i don't want to ruin it for anybody which you know super good on him it's probably also in pretty early production so i don't know how much you could really talk about but you know they're re-showing terrifier 2 in theaters right now and they're giving out a custom terrifier 3 poster at these theater showings i saw a picture of the terrifier 3 poster and at first i was like hold on this is not real there's no fucking way this is real so i went to damon leone's twitter terrifier 3 is a fucking christmas movie and that's awesome and I'm so, so excited about it. It's the first movie not that happened on Halloween. But he's moved on to Christmas! Which is weird. He's he's holiday hopping. Or maybe it's just another Halloween movie and it's throwing you off. No, I hope to God it's actually a Christmas movie. Like, so the poster is basically Art the Clown dressed as Santa with Santa Claus's, like, face skinned up, hanging from his chest with an axe. It's super dope. Super cool poster. Yeah. But... The fact that Damien Leone, like, on Twitter was like, ah, oh, yeah, no, it's it's a Christmas movie. I was like, fuck yes. Fair enough. I don't know. I just think that's an interesting way to take Art the Clown, and I'm very excited to see what he does with it. I guess. It's fine. Oh, you're not as hype? No, you're not I hype have at no all? feelings about it one way or the other. Oh, my God. 
Maybe I'm just a terrifier enjoyer. No, I think just like Christmas. I don't even like Christmas that much. Christmas movies. No? No, I'm sorry. I like Black Christmas. I'll go apologize to Black Christmas. Yeah, that's a good movie. Because you don't like that movie. No, apparently. I like that movie. Shut oh, up. Oh, well then. Just because I like one Christmas movie. It's the only Christmas movie you've seen. I've seen A Nightmare Before Christmas. And no, on this podcast. Oh, on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I had seen yeah, one. I know. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to share on horror news? No. Okay. Well, then it's my turn. So um, I made poor decisions yesterday. And me and my friends were like, you know what we should go do? We should go see the FNAF movie. You know, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. So that's what we did yesterday. And um, it wasn't good. (laughs) (laughs) Bob can attest. I got out of the movie theater. And before I drove home, I texted him. I was like, because I told him yesterday I was going to see it. And all I sent him was, saw it, don't watch it. Yeah, that's all he said. And I was like, I don't know if that means because it will make me uncomfortable, like gross, or if it's just bad. No, it wasn't good. Very specifically, it's PG-13. Yeah, which I did not know until I saw a trailer very recently, and I lost my mind. And lots of people knew it was going to be PG-13. But the thing that I think got people pretty worried, especially because it came out very recently, is I think it was the director was like, yeah, we're not releasing an R-rated cut like on Blu-ray or anything. Like it's just going to be PG-13. There's no R-rated cut. What like the this hell? is the film. Um so yeah, it's that's just how it is. The the one thing I, w- I want to say about the rating here is it's a very light PG-13. Mm. Like, okay. It could maybe qualify as a PG movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. Holy shit. Like it's definitely not cuz there's some violence, but it's it's pretty pretty light. PG thirteen, that's um, nuts. Like legitimately, I spoilers for Friday uh, for Five Nights at Freddy. If anyone's actually interested in seeing it, but I don't think anyone actually dies on screen in the whole movie. There's yeah, some okay. pretty implicit deaths, mm-hmm. but I think the closest we get to someone dying on screen is a shadow. God, that sucks. Yeah. More importantly than that, the movie's just very, very boring. Just very, very boring. Hmm. Uh, and I guess the thing that most people want to know is, like, animatronic stuff. Mm-hmm. And from what I could tell, a lot of the film is just CGI. Like, the vast majority of it. Didn't they build, like, whole entire suits? And, they like... did, but I... The suits look pretty close to the CGI, but the CGI doesn't look good either. Mm. So I'm not sure, like, what was suits and what was CGI... But from what I could tell, it it looked like it was 90% CGI. Oh, God. This movie made so much money, too. It did, because people were just going to go see it. But it it was real bad. It was was a very bad film. It was definitely... The target audience for that film, I will say, is like 8, 10-year-olds. That's a horror movie? That's the people who will enjoy it most. Jesus Christ. Anyone older than that, I don't know. And again, I'm not a Five Nights at Freddy's fan, so I don't know how, like lore accurate it is sure my understanding is not very (laughs) oh great so uh maybe i'm wrong about that but i i don't think it was so but if it is you know there might be some enjoyment for fans irregardless aside from that i'll say the plot was real predictable it wasn't necessarily like a bad plot but because of the strength restraints of making it super kid friendly Mm -hmm. and also the restraints of the five nights at freddy's like ip Mm -hmm. it was definitely made not good. Here's my thing. Like, 
I get their target audience is like 13 year olds, probably 14 year olds who are like are into Five Nights at Freddy's. So th- like to make it PG 13 as a marketing choice makes sense. Makes sense. Five Nights at Freddy's is so fucked up. Yeah. Like it just sucks that they were restrained to making it PG 13 when they could have made it R and probably been just like insane. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think a lot of the issues with the film where it's like, you know, I just mentioned there's some fucked up undertones in the film, but they're never expanded upon mm-hmm. and they're mostly hinted at. And it kind of ruins them because I can tell there's maybe a decent story underneath the, the boring thing we got. Sure. But because they're keeping this super kid friendly, it, it it's nothing like it's so it's so close to PG. That blows. It's so dude. close. I guess the final thing I want to say about it is we we got out of the movie theater. I was going with my friends. And, you know, we enjoy our bad movies every once in a while. Sure. I enjoy a bad movie every once in a while. We all got out, and my one friend turned to me. He's my roommate. And he was like, I think that might have been the worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> that was it. Do you but, agree with that statement? No way it beats Cocaine Bear. Oh, I think I had less enjoyment than Cocaine Bear. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I think the the best part of that movie is there was a brief Matt Pat cameo. <laughs> I've seen that. But it wasn't I've funny. Seen that it was just the fact that he was in the movie. <laughs> Clip on Twitter, and it was yeah. hilarious. It wasn't funny. It was just, oh, he was there. It made me laugh because I went, oh, my God, Matt Pat's in this fucking movie. Yeah, you felt that enjoyment on Twitter. That was the most enjoyment you'll get from that film. But Fuck yeah, that. I don't think it was the – objectively, I don't think it was the worst film I've ever seen. Sure. But I've I mean, watched, it had hella money. I've watched worse films. But I've had more enjoyment than I did watching that film. Sure. that was It was okay. just a very unenjoyable experience for me. On the budget option, though, I don't know how they spent so much money on this movie. It looks cheap. Really? It looks cheap. I mean, they did get some, like, Matthew Lillard's in it. Yeah. And they got uh that one guy who I yeah, can't. Yeah, that's maybe where they spent all their money. There's, like, the main guy. What I don't know. That guy's six name? actors with speaking roles. Yeah, it's huh? it's so cheap. It looks and feels so cheap, and I'm like, how much was the budget on that? Something insane. It was like it was ridiculous. I don't know how they spent so much money on it. It's just, it was all around. It feels like a corporate cash grab, and it's not good, and it's soulless, and it was boring. And I mean, that's probably being boring is the worst thing you could be. Well, yeah, especially for a movie. Yeah, like I get it. Some people don't like slow movies, and that's an opinion thing. But if a movie is straight up boring and it's coming from Benjamin's mouth, that movie's goddamn boring. And, like, I, I don't want to shit on it because, like, it wasn't, like, 100% the worst thing ever. Sure. Because functionally and structurally, it wasn't bad. I just didn't have a good time. Sure. Okay. And I feel bad for people who are, like, really excited about it. Yeah. Because it definitely wasn't what I think a lot of people will want. So... Hopefully the sequel when they 100% make one. Oh, I think it's already been enjoyable for that they're making a sequel, yeah, for whoever. But I, I doubt it. I think opening weekend it made 83 million dollars in the box office. What I read. Yeah, I mean people were gonna go see it. I was like, I might as well see it. Yeah. Me and my friends walked into the theater and we were none of us wanted to watch it. (laughs) None of us wanted to. None of us were excited. (laughs) Oh my god. And we went to buy our tickets. Like, do we want to go see Exorcist Believer? No. And then all three of us were like, I don't really want to watch that either. Then why'd you all go to the movies? You're just going to the movies. And then I was like, oh, Army of Darkness is playing right over there. Can we go watch Army of Darkness? And they were like, no. Why not? <laughs> I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I wanted to go watch Army of Darkness instead. That, I would have been much happier with my night. I, I'm aware. God damn. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it was, 
not fun. Lots of stuff you could make, f- and there wasn't even too much to make fun of. Like we were joking around the whole movie because it wasn't good, but like, it wasn't ha ha not good. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god, what a tragedy! I think the budget's estimated twenty million. I don't know how I spent twenty million dollars. Legitimately, it was. Ugh. All right. Well, I that's that's as much as I want to talk about that movie. Okay. Sorry if you liked it. I know some people are going to like it, but... I mean, that's any movie, though, right? Like, some people are going to like it, even if it's bad. I like bad movies all the time. Constantly, in fact. If you want a a Five Nights at Freddy's experience, I would go recommend the Nicolas Cage one. Um, Oh, Willy's Wonderland? Willy's Wonderland. I thought that's a better movie. I don't like that movie either. I think it's kind of boring as well, because I think there's some issues with it, but I, I prefer that one. Okay. At this point, we might as well just do an animatronics category. Oh, please, no. Because we could watch FNAF, we could watch Willy's oh. Wonderland, and we could do Megan. Please, no. Why not? Because we wouldn't get Megan as the third animatronics movie. Oh. She's a robot. She's not an animatronics. Oh, my bad. We'd get a third one that you're not going to like either. Oh, God. It's basically three stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> a pile of steaming dog shit. Eh, not dog shit. Maybe just, like, not great. Okay. Dog shit with some sprinkles on top. Like a steak that's been overcooked. Until it's dry. No, because I could still eat a steak. Yeah, well, you can still watch these movies. God damn. All right. You ready to do our actual board stuff? Uh, I guess. We got one category left. Everyone knows what you're picking, but I'll go over them because uh, we'll give the illusion that you're actually going to choose something different. Now I want to, you little bitch. No, but you do the same thing every season. It's okay. You, you've you explicitly said at the beginning of episodes that you do it every season. Yeah, because it... It's a good way to start the season. Bob picks a different category for the first three weeks. Unless we eventually will get cannibals and he'll be too afraid to do that. What but would you do if I just watched all three cannibal spots in a row? Have a great time. Oh, God. You will not. That will be um, a stomach-turning two weeks. Three but weeks. our three categories this season are in order, because there is an order There's to it. There's not an order. Ben makes this up. It's just the order that it is in his notes. Yeah. That's the order. That's the order. Like, if I if I was making a physical board, that's how it's set up. Like, yeah. left to right. Um, but first category is Slurposaurus. That's mine. And that's a film technique that involves, like, having a real animal play a not real animal. Or at least a non-existent animal or something that it's not. Yeah. It's a very old film technique. It was popular in, like, the 50s or the 60s because it was a lot cheaper than claymation. You wanted to animate something. I don't know. It's cheesy. It's fun. But the dark side of it is it was popular during a time where they didn't have animal cruelty laws. So uh, there's definitely some animal cruelty involved in those movies, which is not great. With that being said, the other caveat of that category is this season we're watching some not really horror movies. I would say the movie we watched last week was not a horror movie. Although Bob was scared, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. No, have you... Have you listened to the Oh, yeah. Did you hear the clip of me fucking losing my shit? (laughs) Very funny. Yeah. I will say the funniest clip, though, was the one where you weren't a coward and you put it in because I called you out on something. That one got me an actual laugh out of me for once. Yeah. Well, that well, I think that was funny because I go, I'm putting this in <laughs> because funny. Ben told me to, <laughs> not because I think it's funny. But, uh, yeah, it's Slurposaurus. I thought that was a good category. I'm having fun no, with it's it a so good, far. It's been fun, yeah. Our random this season, which was for me as well, it was my suggestion for the random, um, we never get wrap my randoms. Up as well. We haven't gotten a single one of my randoms, and I'm still mad about it. Yeah, that's okay. Six seasons in, Ben. Uh, was pre-code movies, 
and um, that's what Bob's going to be choosing today because, of course, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm actually really excited for pre goat movies. I am too. But that's uh, movies that were essentially invented before the code laws. But basically, you know, before the MPAA, there were some restrictions on like what you could put in films that you had to follow so that you didn't sin too much on screen, essentially. And, uh, you know, before those really came down into place, there was some wild shit that you would see in movies. Uh, stuff that you don't really see until, like, the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. and now. Um, so those films are really, really interesting. Uh, and we'll be watching some of those. And then the last category was Bob's, which was... It was a bad choice, but it wasn't his fault because he had good intentions. Yeah. You know, road to hell. I Look, all I have to say is I think I have a good category for next season. That's good. I already also picked my category out. Going to the convention really opened my eyes to what was possible. <laughs> Before the convention, Bob was like, I don't know what I'm going to pick anymore. I'm running out of like ideas for categories. And then after he was like, oh, no, I have so many now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, his category was neo-monster movies, which really isn't a subgenre. But he, he thought it was. I looked it up online. It exists. I promise. It's a term one or two people use to describe a bunch of different things. In fact, the closest description I could find online was every movie that involves monsters. But I I, I did some work and I defined it. And uh, the definition we're using this season is monster movies where the monster is unique. So basically none of the classical monsters you see in like universal stuff. So Mm -hmm. no vampires, werewolves, stuff like that. And then it's also like humanoid in some way. Usually one monster, but it could be multiple. I picked out some good movies for that category. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get to see those. But I get back into it. What category are you picking today, Bob? Well, you ruined the surprise, Benjamin. It was never a surprise. I, I People was know. surprised. I was surprised. No, I'm choosing pre-code movies. Now, the real surprise is what spot are you picking? Yeah, I don't know what the... I mean, I have all three, so I could just say a random number. But before I pick my actual spot number, I do want to talk about pre-code movies a little bit. Because this is one of those categories where I was aware that pre-code movies existed before Ben pitched it as a category. Because I watch a person on YouTube, and he like talks about pre-code movies all the time because he's super into film. I'd never considered pre-code horror movies. And every single time we've watched... An older horror movie. I've had a good time. So I'm so, so, so excited for this category. Like, I d- my hype is unbelievable, Ben. Fair enough. Um, do you know how old pre-code stuff is? Uh, I don't know when the Haze Code came out, but that's probably in, like, the 40s. No. Or before that, maybe? Before that. What, like the 30s? Yeah. So um, I think my understanding is it came about in 1930. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the term pre-code is kind of a misnomer. So I ended up looking into it because I was unclear. But my understanding of it is pre-code very explicitly refers to a period between 1931 and 1934. That's a really short period of time. Yeah, a really short period of time, which is also technically when the code laws were already enacted. Hmm. But it's, from my understanding, refers to this brief period in which the laws were enacted, but they hadn't been super heavily enforced like they didn't add all the really strict rules in yet i see and so there was basically these three years when everyone went all right let's throw as much like horrible shit as we can into movies before we can't anymore (laughs) that's awesome and so it's like this brief period of time where like the most unproducible movies 
in the next, you know, 20, 30 years um, come out. And so that was something I didn't know before, you know, doing my research for this category because I was just thinking, oh, it's before the set time period because it's literally pre-code, but mm-hmm. it's it's not. And that was kind of a sad moment for me because I was like, oh, I can't throw anything older than like 1931 on here, mm. which kind of sucks because there was a film I wanted to put on here because it's technically pre-code, but it isn't a, a literal pre-code movie. Huh. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I thought I'd bring it up. But which which spot are you picking? Do you want me to tell you what spots you've picked in the other one so you can do your one, two, three thing? No, spot two. Two? Two. I don't know what the hell this is. All right. Uh, That's spot. the benefit of having all three spots is I don't know what the hell I'm picking ever. Two is Freaks. Oh, God. A movie just called Freaks? Yeah. You ever heard of it? No. I thought you had when you went, oh, God. No, I just... I, a movie just called Freaks kind of... I don't know. What do you think it's about? Freaks. What do you mean by that? Oh, I have heard of this. At least I think I have. Oh, God. What do you think it's about, Bob? You making animal noises did not tell me anything. No, I'm... I don't know if I'm misremembering something or not. Oh, just say it. I don't... No, I don't think... No, I don't think I know anything. I don't think I've heard of this. I might have, though. I can't tell. Continue. All right. Well, um, since you don't want to contribute, this film came out in 1932. Okay. Okay. So this is officially the oldest film we've watched on the podcast. Damn. Um, by like 20 years. <laughs> God damn. For the description, <clears throat> a traveling circus acts as the backdrop of this story of love, jealousy, and betrayal. Sounds like you ripped the tagline off the front of the movie poster. I did not. That was just me. Okay. Like, I feel like I could see that on, like, the poster for this film, if that makes sense. I mean, fair enough. That's how I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. I was like, how do I describe this? Without spoiling too much, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll, I'll write so we're talking, like a, a we're talking blurb. circus freaks." Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's an hour and four minutes long. That short. is short. Review scores: IMDb gave it a seven point eight out of ten. It's pretty good. Tomato meter gave it a ninety five percent. Holy fuck! And an audience score of eighty eight percent. That is. Those are some high scores. It has some awards, but these are all like after the fact awards, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has two wins and one nomination. There's going to be a lot of notable actors here. And um, these are just the ones that were credited, so I'm not mentioning any of the uncredited people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just want to say this now. A lot of them are uh, circus performers. Oh, like actual circus performers? Yeah. So That's this, so cool. Couldn't tell from the name. This movie features people who did circus performances, but very specifically um, like sideshow stuff. Mm-hmm. What were referred to back in the day is like freak shows. But a lot of the people are like really, really big ones. Uh, back when this film came out, like really popular circus performers. So I'll mention those when we get to them. But uh, for notable actors, there's Wallace Ford as Frozo. Uh, he played Old Pa in A Patch of Blue. Layla Hyams as Venus. She played Ruth Thomas in Island of Lost Souls. Olga Baklanova as Cleopatra. She played Duchess Josiana in The Man Who Laughs. Roscoe Eights as Roscoe. Uh, he played Roscoe in The Great Lover. Henry Victor as Hercules. Uh, he played Captain Schultz in To Be or Not To Be. Harry Earls as Hans. He played Tweedledee in The Unholy Three. Daisy Earls as Frida. She played Miss Cubby Snod in Three Ring Marriage. Rose Dion as Madame Tetralini. Uh, she played Herodias, a uh, wife of Herod in Salam. Daisy and Violet Hilton as the Siamese twins. 
Uh, they played Dorothy and Vivian Hamilton in Chained for Life. Schlitz as Pinhead. There's two different words. Uh, and this is where I should mention there might be some somewhat offensive terms for these performers because that these were their performance names. I see. Back in 1932. They were The Geek and The Sideshow. Uh, Josephine Joseph as half woman, half man. Ah, I see. They weren't in anything else. Uh, Johnny Eck as half boy. Hat boy? Half. Half. Half boy. I thought you said hat. No, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. No, I know. That's why I was c- getting confused. He played a bird creature in Tarzan the Ape Man. Frances O'Connor as armless girl. Uh, she wasn't in anything else. Uh, Peter Robinson as human skeleton. Olga Roderick as bearded lady. Cuckoo as herself, Prince Randian as the living torso, Martha Morris as Angelino's armless wife, Elvira Snow as Pinhead Zip, Jenny Lee Snow as Pinhead Pip, Elizabeth Green as Bird Girl, Angelo Rosito as Angelino. Uh, he played the master in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And then Edward Brophy and Matt McHugh as the Rolo Brothers. And then, respectively, they played Morelli in The Thin Man and Vincent Jones in Street Scene. That's a lot of people. Yes. Uh, the vast majority of those were uh, circus performers. The director is Todd Browning. Uh, he also directed Dracula, the 1931 version. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, the writer is Willis Goldbeck. He wrote uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, as well as Leon Gordon. Uh, he wrote Rogue's March. Uh, and I'll put this here, but this is also based on a short story, at least loosely. It's a short story by uh, C.A. Robbins or Todd Robbins uh, called Spurs. And hmm. that was originally published in the February 1923 issue of Munsey's Magazine and then later republished in uh, Robbins' short story collection, 1926, Who Wants a Green Bottle and Other Uneasy Tales. And it follows that story vaguely well. Hmm. It's not exact. Budget estimated at roughly $310,000. God bless. Pretty expensive. I mean, that's expensive in 1930, what, two? Yeah. That is a lot of money. By today's standards, that is not a lot of money. Uh, yeah, think about the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The box office, I really couldn't find anything too trustworthy, but mm-hmm. it's regarded as a box office flop, so keep that in mind. Country of origin United States pretty pretty obvious mm-hmm. you know for this category and also the time period this is coming out there is a number of titles here oh okay for uh alternative and stuff uh the working title was the monster show okay uh, there's two informal titles the first one is forbidden love the second is nature's mistakes ooh yeah there's some offensive stuff by today's standards in here uh, and then, obviously, the alternative title is The Freaks hmm. instead of just Freaks. You want the tagline now. It kind of has a spoiler for what the plot of this movie is. I think I kind of know what the plot is. What do you think the plot is? Well. Since you didn't want to say it earlier. I, first of all, I was wrong oh, earlier. What were so you thinking earlier? Uh, I don't know why I was thinking, like, not zombies because zombies didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was zombies. They were just different. Yeah. Zombies. But I thought this was, was like maybe an old zombie film. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I think I the wrong. original zombie film was White Zombie. Yeah. I believe that's the we've, original one. I've seen it. Yeah, we've it's talked about decent. that before. No, I mean, like, if one of the alternative titles is Forbidden Love, come on. 
The movie's no. called Freaks. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it's about, though? Well, one of the circus performers is going to fall in love with someone who they're not supposed to, you know, societally be allowed to fall in love with, and it's going to be a whole thing. That's a good Like guess. a Romeo and Juliet thing, but with circus performers, yeah, which is cool. That's a decent guess. Yeah. I'll give you a tagline. There was a bunch I found oh, online. Really? But this is the one that's, like, on the main poster. Mm-hmm. Can a full-grown woman truly love a midget? Okay. Yeah. All right. Not the greatest tagline, but... No? I don't think I'll be putting that anywhere. Does tell you what this movie is about. Okay. Um, it was filmed in Los Angeles in the fall of 1931 under MGM. Oh. So, Metro Goldwyn Meyer, I believe. And very interestingly, because of some of the employees at MGM being, let's just say, discomforted by the presence of some of the actors uh, in this film, Mm -hmm. specifically uh, the circus performers, there was some segregation on set. Whoa. Very specifically, most of the circus performers, aside from the uh, quote-unquote more normal-looking ones, specifically the sisters who were Siamese twins and the Earl siblings, were not allowed on the studio lot. Instead, had to, like, go into a specially relegated tent that was built just for them. What the fuck? I also read somewhere they weren't allowed to eat in the cafeteria. What the they hell? were worried about people, uh, I think, throwing up. Oh, my God. Not not great. No, it's, that sucks. Yeah. Especially when they're making a movie, like, that's so, ah. Yep. Along a similar vein, they did uh, test screenings for this film in 1932. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning of the year in January. And um, a bunch of members of the audience for these test screenings reacted, like, really, really negatively to this film. So I think what's hard to understand nowadays is the reason freak shows existed back in the day is people weren't, you know, necessarily conceptually aware of that, like, people with disabilities existed. Yeah. In the same understanding. And so um, to make a long story short, people thought the film was too grotesque. And so uh, they cut down the original film to its current version. The original film was 90 minutes long. So we're missing like an hour, like half an hour of footage? That Uh, sucks. It was eventually cut down to 64 minutes. uh, And sadly, the original 90-minute cut doesn't exist anymore. That blows. So it was lost. Which really sucks. That does really suck. Because it includes a bunch of like cut footage that I would just love to see. No, me too. And to keep going on this train... The film, even in its cut version, was considered so controversial that it was banned in the United Kingdom for over 30 years and was labeled as brutal and grotesque in Canada. What the hell? So, yeah, it was not very well received. That's It's so at all. weird to me. Just, like, because I know what the concept of this film is going in, and I, I'm just, like... Back in the day, people didn't like freaks and freak shows. It was yeah, considered a very... It's weird to me like horrifying thing Mm -hmm. and very like not acceptable for like polite company which is very messed up that's what i'm saying that's how i'm just like they're just they're just people just people right but on the kind of the bright side here is that in the 1960s this film kind of got a resurgence of like reappraisal and everything sick and so it has since been viewed like pretty positively by critics both for its content which i'll just tell you now is deemed as pretty good Mm -hmm. like message wise and portrayal wise but also just for like being a decent movie and the turnaround on like 
how it's been received has been so radical that in 1994, it was selected for preservation by the United States National Film Registry. Sick. So. That's dope. It's a good film. I've seen it. I really like this movie. I think it's very good, even with, I think, maybe some of its issues uh, for some audience members. But I think it's, in a, it's a little important part of film history. So that's all I got for now. I have a couple things maybe to mention at the end of the movie. Um, but we're going to go watch it. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We just finished watching Freaks. You like it? Man. Look. It's great, right? I know. Me and Ben are a bunch of little sluts for old films. I love them so much. This movie is so fucking good. It's so good. It's so fun. It's... And right off the bat, you can oh. tell it It feels a lot more modern, right? Yes. Than you were expecting. Way, way more modern than I was expecting. It still has, like, some, like... Technical stuff that Technical feels old. stuff that's old, but also, like, dialogue that's old. Mm-hmm. But it still hits, like, perfectly. Like, beats and story-wise, it feels yeah. a lot more modern. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Now, before we get into talking about the film, I do want to mention something very, very sad. That's the fact that we lost our audio recording from the movie. Some of it. Some of it. We 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 lost the back end of the audio recording. Yes. Which really sucks because that's where a lot of the good ones were. Yeah. But we'll have a couple right at the beginning. I, I just wanted to mention that. No, it does suck. I turned on after the movie and was infuriated because there was an error message on Adobe. It like crashed while we were recording, and we we just didn't turn on and look at it because we were watching the movie. And Bob was having a good time. Normally he'll check. Yeah. I was upset. But on that note, uh, though, I guess I can describe the film. I don't have much to describe here yeah. in like the non-spoiler section because I think for how offensive that tagline is, like just generally, it's not great. I mean, sure, yeah. Uh, it is a very decent description of the movie, though. Mm-hmm. First of all, the thing you have to note about this film is it very interestingly takes place all behind the scenes of this circus. Yeah, you see a little bit of the circus at the beginning, like but some of the actual stuff. It's from like... We're viewing it from backstage, though, mm-hmm. not from the stands. Uh, but most of the film is, like, just in the living quarters of yeah, the circus. like the carriages and stuff. Yeah, where they're all set up in the caravan. But primarily the story uh, focuses on, you know, all the the circus performers and very specifically how they are all essentially interacting with and watching one of the characters, Hans, who's a little person, and... He has fallen in love with a. I think she's a trapeze artist. I yeah, I'm pretty sure because that's what we see at the beginning is her doing trapeze stuff. Cleopatra, and basically the whole film is kind of the drama behind that. Mm-hmm. Especially because Hans, uh, at the beginning of the film, is already I think engaged. Yeah, I think they're engaged to another woman named Frida, who's a who's another little person. I just want to put this out here, just the sweetest woman ever. Frida's so nice. She's way too nice. Way too nice. I kept I kept during the movie going, Frida, just punch her. Punch her in the face. <laughs> Bob looked like he was going to Throw cry something at, at her. Point. Do anything. But yeah, I, I don't think I have much more to say without spoiling anything. Sure. So that's the description there. But I, I'd highly recommend you go watch it. No, this is this is a, f- a good fucking movie. I, I think it's really, really good. And so if you're interested, it's up a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You can go get it on Amazon. You can rent it for like, $3. I mean, if it's in the National Film Industry, can't you go on their website and watch it? Pretty sure you can do it there, too. Yeah. Yeah. With that being said, we're going to talk about the film. Mm-hmm. 
I think we're going to be pretty... We're going to try to avoid spoilers. But as always, this film's really old. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to talk about some stuff. And we're going to be a little bit spoiler-heavy here. I think we are going to avoid talking about the ending until the spoiler section. Because we have to talk about the ending. Yeah, I mean... I. And uh, we got to do a spoiler section for it. Do you really think we have to? Yes. Because it's good practice. It's what we do. We haven't done it in so long. I just don't know if it... I don't know. Unless you don't want to talk about the end. But we should. We should talk about the ending, but I don't know if it needs a dedicated spoiler section. But if you think it does, we can. I think it does. Sure. It's a lot of fun. But do you have anything specific you want to mention? Because I know I have like a couple things that I think are important to note about this film. So I could start if you wanted. Yeah, you can start. Okay. So I think first thing to note about this film, like, off the bat, is it's not really a horror film, at least by modern standards. No, it's not. There's maybe a couple sequences in this film that can be considered, like, horror, Mm -hmm. I think, just because they're suspenseful. Yeah. Um, But for the most part, it's, it's not horror. Uh, Bob brought that up during the movie, and what I told him is, uh, you know, it was considered a horror at the time of release, mostly because, as we mentioned, people in the 1930s didn't have a very positive view of uh, those with disabilities. But, like, generally speaking, its perception over time has changed. Mm -hmm. So originally it came out, it was intended as a horror movie, and it very quickly switched over to being viewed as, like, exploitative. Hmm. Right? Until sense. it eventually became to be viewed as more avant-garde, which I think is a very good modern description of this film. It does feel kind of avant-garde. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to note that off the bat. With that being said, though, the, the real big takeaway I want to make about this film is that it's almost surprisingly very, very progressive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, surprisingly so, honestly. Like... You wouldn't expect it by the name yeah, or even the, the premise. But the film shows all the circus performers as just, like, actual people. Just people, man. And just shows everyone in the circus interacting normally. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think... Especially for something coming out of 1932. That's my big thing is this is from 1932. And the way a lot of these people interact with the performers is very, very normal. And, like, they just treat them like in individual people, and it's so, so nice. Yeah. And, like, it really highlights the people that treat them like shit. Mm-hmm. It makes them maniacally evil, and that's awesome. And I think it especially stands out after we we just talked about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff mm-hmm. with how poorly some of the actors were treated, like, on uh, Lot. Mm-hmm. And so to see, like, the opposite of that in the film just really— It's really weird. Really stands out. Yeah. And I mean, for that reason, uh, there's this quote, and I was when I was doing research, it's from, um, uh, who is it from? Andrew Saris, who's like a, fa- a film critic. Mm-hmm. And he has gone on record saying it's like one of the most compassionate films ever made. No, it is. Just for its portrayal. No, it's so... And I can kind of see that. Like, this movie, look, okay. This movie is so sad. <laughs> it is pretty This movie sad. is heartbreaking. But it's also just like... <sighs> It just, I don't know. There was something about the way all of the story beats work out that's just so, it's like gut-wrenchingly awful to witness, but at the same time so satisfying, if that makes sense. Like, I had a good time, but 
But this movie did not make me happy. No, that's fair. And like, I don't know how else to put that. But yeah, I, I just I just wanted to mention the whole treatment thing because I, mm-hmm. I think it's again it's nothing to like go home about if this fame was made today. Yeah. But for 1930, it's God. All of Frozo's interactions with any of the performers are incredible. Oh yeah. Because ah, he does such a good job. So yeah, I I, I just wanted to mention that. Mm-hmm. So moving on from that, I think we can get to what you kind of brought up a little bit, and that's the fact that this film is sad. Oh, it's so sad. And. The cause of that here is very, very early on in the film, we realize that Cleo, so Cleopatra, she's the person who Hans has a, a thing for, is very clearly just, like, using him mm-hmm. for his money because yeah. Hans is independently wealthy, uh, even though he's a circus performer. He has mm-hmm. a pretty large inheritance, as we come to see. And basically everyone in the circus knows it. Yeah. And... You know, Frida Hans is fiance at the beginning of the movie. It's just like, Hans, you know everyone knows and is making fun of you because, like, she's taking advantage of you. Yeah, she's using you. And it's just really sad to watch because mm-hmm. Hans is just too, I guess, love-struck yeah. to recognize it. And, you know, that's sad in its own right. But to make it worse is just, as we've said, Frida is, like, the nicest woman oh my ever. God. And the whole movie, she's... Does some great acting performances of just like subtly devastated. Yeah. Uh, there's one sequence in the film where she's just crying. Oh my and God. And it's great. But just the whole film, she's just kind of like, I just want Hans to be happy. Which is like a nuts thing to say. Like, it's not nuts, but it's just like, oh my God, you have a very large heart. And I just like, how could you not be upset with him? Exactly. How are you not mad? And her only issue with Cleo is not. That she's the other woman, but that she knows Cleo is... Not going to make Hans happy. Yeah. And that is so brutal. It's just very sad. Ugh. But yeah, I I don't know what to say about this film. I'm going to be honest. It's just... I had a very good time, but it is pretty simple of a premise. No, and I I think that's what makes this movie hit so hard. It's it's such a classic, like, story. Mm -hmm. Beat by beat, it's like, oh, someone loves someone they shouldn't. People are upset about it and like they're being it's just like I don't know. It feels very classic in a lot of ways, especially with a method that I if you want to we'll do a get spoiler we'll section, get into that. Yeah, in a second. there's something very, very classic, uh, almost Disney-esque, if you will. And I'll <laughs> leave it at that about yeah. this film. But um, yeah, it's just very simple, but it, it is very well executed. And I think that's the acting. Yeah, um, but it's also just it's a, a lot of the films just carried by the casual interactions of all the people mm-hmm. around this main story plot. I mean, the thing is, it feels very real. And that's that's the big thing. It's like it just feels. Yeah, it, it legitimately does feel like just looking into what a circus might have been like mm-hmm. in 1930. With that being said, I, I do think there is a couple people that help carry the film besides these main people. The the big ones I want to mention, though, are um, Frozo. Mm-hmm. And Venus, yeah, which are kind of like the secondary couple, yeah, and they're great. Frozo's is really nice. He's a clown. He's a clown, but he's also very distinctly one of the few characters to act the same around everyone mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah, and it's just it's just really nice. And then Venus is just Venus. She's very sweet with um, Frida. Yeah, they're like good friends, mm-hmm. and they're all their scenes together are really nice. Yeah. And then I think the other one we haven't mentioned right now is Hercules. Yeah. What a fucking turd. Who is this strong man? 
And he just kind of sucks. He sucks. But he's like, I think he's together with Cleopatra. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Cleo's leading Hans on. And so they're together and scheming about it. They're fucking evil. But they're just maniacally evil in the yes. best way together. They, they literally have entire scenes in the carriage where they're just plotting and ploying. And I'm just like, someone do something. Help. With that being said, I, I don't really have anything to say about the rest of the middle of the sequence of this movie. So I, I think we can move on to talk about the end. Okay. Before we move on, mm. I want to mention one more thing that we haven't, we haven't talked about. Very, very cool moment. There's a sea lion in this film. And that was cool. Oh, yeah. Bob Sorry. didn't know they used to have sea lions at circuses. No, I was, I was heavily entertained. Have you ever seen Dumbo? Maybe when I was a kid. There used to be a lot more, like, animals in circuses. No, I didn't um, there were animals in circuses, but I didn't know there was going to be a sea lion in this film. And But that's my thing, is that animals weren't always well-treated, but they mm-hmm. would have them. Uh, and I, I bring up Dumbo because there's a good sequence in that film where they're going in all the train cars. Ah. So you get to see all the animals that could be at a circus back in the day. I see, I see. Like hippopotamuses and stuff like that. Holy shit, a hippo at a circus? Yeah. That's dangerous. Hippos are dangerous creatures. Yep. Oh, my uh, God. That being said, we're going to go to the spoiler section now. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to be talking about the end. If you don't really care, go ahead and listen. Hello everybody, this is Future Bob coming at you to let you know that if you do not want any major spoilers for this film, please skip to 1 hour, 2 minutes, and 28 seconds. Once again, that's 1 hour, 2 minutes, and 28 seconds for no major spoilers. Okay, so what we kind of been avoiding talking about this whole time is the ending, which is very classic, as Bob said. But basically, what ends up happening in this film is... Cleo eventually realizes just how rich Hans is. Oh, he's filthy rich. It takes her a shockingly long time to realize. A really long amount of time. Even though Hans keeps giving her, like, all these... Insane gifts. Insane gifts. Platinum, like, necklaces. Champagne. Like, yeah. Just fresh And they're in fruit. France. <laughs> yeah. So it's, like, actual champagne from champagne, probably. Uh, well, if, if it's... Fr- so it, to be champagne, it has to, to be, be from, from champagne. champagne. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Champagne. Ugh. You disgust me. <laughs> no, it's Zap Brannigan from Futurama. I don't I've never I you know. know I've never seen Futurama. I know. <laughs> you look so disappointed. It's fine. I'm always disappointed in you. Going back to stuff. But it takes her a shockingly long time to realize how wealthy he is, which is whatever, I guess. But when she realizes, <laughs> she's like, Oh, wait a second. I could get him to marry me. Yeah. And then I could kill him. <laughs> And take all of his money. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she does. She marries him. And um, we have this really, really great scene. Uh, because it doesn't show the wedding. It just goes right to the like, reception afterwards. Yeah. And it's it's such a, a great sequence, I think. It's, it's oh, probably God. one of my favorite sequences in the whole it's film. It's so brutal. Basically, Hans and Cleo are getting very, very drunk. Because they're like, oh, our plan has worked. And you mean Hercules? Oh yeah. Who did I say? Hans. Hans. Oh, well, well, Hans is getting very Hans drunk. is getting drunk. Cleo and Hercules are getting very, very drunk because they're like, our planet has worked. We've pulled it off. We've pulled it off. And while they're getting very drunk, Cleo is also poisoning Hans with yep. um, poisoned wine. And while all this is going on, there's also this interesting like cultural moment mm-hmm. where all the um, uh, circus performers are basically having an acceptance ceremony mm-hmm. for for Cleo 
for Cleo. But, you know, long story short, Hercules and Cleo are getting so drunk that they're dropping the charade. Yeah. But they're very specifically dropping the charade in front of, like, everyone at the circus. Everyone. So, you know, all of Hans's friends mm-hmm. and Frida, like, they make out yep. for half a minute. And then they start mocking Hans. In front of everybody. In front of everyone. It's... He looks so fucking sad. Yeah. In, it is one of the most gut-wrenching things I've ever seen in my entire life. Because he just looks so ashamed. Because he's just... It's oh this moment God. of, I have been played. Because the whole film, like, Frida was telling him, you're going to get laughed at, and I don't want you to get laughed at. Yep. And actually, she that's the scene where she's, like, crying in the background. Yeah. And she gets up and leaves. But, um... You know, eventually that sequence ends, and um, it turns out that Hans has been poisoned. That comes out. And he he gets poisoned so much that he, like, passes out, and they have to call a doctor. And the doctor very quickly discerns that he's been poisoned. He's been poisoned. But Cleo makes the point of saying, like, oh, I saved him, because she did. She basically over-poisoned him and then saved him. By knowing what antidote to give him. To basically... um, take away any like any blame that she could take because why would she save someone she tried to kill with poison yeah because she's the obvious suspect obviously he got poisoned on his wedding night yeah but um long story short what eventually comes out is a because of this outburst she had at the wedding oh my god which totally gave away the gig like the gig Mm -hmm. but also because no one really trusted her to begin with all the rest of the circus performers basically figure out that she's trying to poison one of their own. Yeah. And heck, at this point, even Hans knows. Oh, yeah. Hans is aware. And so the film ends with this really intense confrontation. Basically, the circus is moving because assumedly it's been in the same spot for most of the film. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. It might have been moving. and We just see when it's set up. Well, yeah. And I this is something we didn't really talk about. But I, I really like the way this movie plays with time. Because it doesn't explicitly, like, give us, like, days and nights. It just goes, like, characters very casually will say, oh, it's been a week since this. But I know a lot of times passed since yeah. the beginning of the film. But it feels timeless. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, long story short, there's this big confrontation. And it's it's probably the most intense part of the film. For sure. But it's just great. That's all I really want to say about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> they're driving these carriages in the rain, so there's mud everywhere. And just all these characters are just pulling out knives and guns. guns. And when Johnny pulled out a gun, I lost my mind. And we sadly lost that clip because there's a yeah. there's a scene where one person pulls out a knife and Bob goes, a knife? And then Johnny pulls out a gun. You're just like, a gun? It was awesome. Yeah, it's just intense. There's some good fight sequences. Yeah, that's the other um, thing is like. This movie is so tame and almost like a drama until, until the, end. the end, and then it's like a full-on action movie. It flips, and it's so hard. Incredible. Frozo and Hercules have a nice, um, nice scuffle, which Frozo gets shoved against a hot like stove, stove, and catches fire for a second. It's dope. The most intense thing I think we see in the sequence is Hercules gets stabbed. Yeah, and he can't walk, and everyone just slowly like crawls towards him to like stab him to death yeah dude it's brutal but the real reason i wanted to like put this in the spoiler section is because bob didn't get this thing uh until the very end of the film and again it's one of those clips we lost which is really sad because i think you had the biggest reaction i've seen in a while oh my god oh my god i was tricked but this film actually has a wraparound plot 
Yeah. The whole film is actually uh, a story being told in the quote-unquote present of mm-hmm. like when this film is set. But essentially, the film actually opens with a, what would you call him, like a hawker? Like oh, the guy who like basically sells the show. Yeah, I don't know what you would call He's not the ringmaster. No. He's basically telling a story about one of the people they have at the circus Mm -hmm. and how, like, this person used to be a trapeze artist and they were very beautiful. And, like, this is the story of what happened to them and how they ended up in um, the freak show part of the circus. And Bob didn't get it, but the wraparound, like, the story ends and we go back to the wraparound and it does this reveal of, like, who they're talking about and it's cleo yeah so what ended up happening and we don't get the seed in the movie but in revenge for like what happened to hans all the circus formers or circus performers like maimed her mm-hmm. and made her t- into like an act yeah it, it makes the whole one of us sequence at the wedding hit so hard yeah in retrospect because it's like oh my lord yeah, especially because she, like, denied the... Oh, she was so upset about it. Google gobble ritual. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And then there's a nice little wrap-up of Frida and Hans get back together. That almost made me cry. <laughs> what is his name? Uh, Venus and uh, Frozo. Frozo. Yeah. Yeah. Took Frida all the way to... Hans's Germany. Estate. <laughs> yeah. Where he has a butler because he's fucking uh, loaded. Yeah. It's good movie. Yeah. So that's all that's all I wanted to say here. Okay. So we could wrap it up. So uh, I I'm gonna say this because I didn't get to say it earlier, because we hadn't talked about the poisoning. I made this uh analogy during the film. Cleo is just Yzma from Emperor's New Groove, and Hercules is just Kronk. <laughs> and I'm not wrong. It's like <sighs> poison for Hans. Hans is poison. Fair enough. I'm right. I, I think that's a very funny like parallel to draw, but sure. I'm right. Hercules is a big dumb fool. Cleo's an evil, evil woman trying to poison a man to get a hold of his money. Cleo, is that not? Cleo is as attractive as Yzma thinks she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my God. All right. Okay. Now we can uh, move on. Yeah, we'll, we'll go back to everything. All right. Welcome oh. back if you left. Do you have anything else to say? I think... We've covered everything I wanted to say. Okay. Then before we go to the recommendations, there is one last thing I want to note here. Oh. Well, you got more stuff? Two things. Oh. It, it's it's a very minor thing that I just wanted to note. First of all, there is a good amount of filler in this movie that is just like the circus performers doing like interesting things. Yeah. Which is padding, but it's cool. No, yeah, it is cool. And it, especially because it's just, like, everyday life mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, like when the bearded lady has a baby. The bearded lady has a baby. What I was going to say, um, the man who doesn't have, like, arms or legs just lights a cigarette at one point. Yeah. Just normal everyday stuff. And I know it was originally probably intended as, like, padding time or just, like, a cool spectacle. But I really like it. I think it adds to the um, just realness of the movie. Yeah, because it's just them doing their stuff. It's usually it makes sense in context mm-hmm. and it makes the film seem more real. So I, I just wanted to note that. But the other thing I wanted to note is there's a couple characters we see in especially the later parts of the film that I noticed in the background, but who aren't explored in the same way most of the characters are. Yeah, there was a character that showed up near the end that I went, Has he been in this movie the whole time? And it's just because they're not seen. And I think the issue there is that 
there was probably more sequences with more characters mm-hmm. that just got cut in the 30 minutes. Yeah. Because that's a lot of time to cut. You know, that's a, a shitload of time I to mean, cut. Logistically, they cut the film down by a third. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think there was probably a lot lost there. And it makes me yeah. sad. Cause it makes me sad, too. I would have loved to see it. No, they're cool. That's the thing is, like, all the characters are characterized and interesting to, like, watch them interact. So I want more of that because it's interesting. Yeah. But um, on that note, though, uh, we can do recommendations. Do you do you have anything? Yeah. Um, hmm. Because this is a hard one to recommend. It is. Like, honestly. They, no, it really is. Uh, if you want a drama film, like, this is, like, a drama. Yeah. Like, it's a very slow, like love story drama film which is weird for me to recommend on a horror podcast <laughs> very classic love story yeah tragedy drama thing but it's explored in such an interesting setting of a circus and that's what makes it like cool so if you're into that if that sounds inter- interesting at all check it out i had a really good time with this movie i really fucking liked it uh, if you want a sad movie this movie's so sad this movie breaks my heart but it's so so fun and also like interesting I don't know if oh if you like black and white films that it is a black and white film I think that's pretty cool. You said that you saw like a colorized version online, right? Like we could have uh, watched. I'm it not in color. sure, but I saw some pictures that look colorized. Mm. So there might be a colorized version of the film. But again, yeah. I I don't know. I didn't look too much into it because I was like, we're watching the black and white version because I love black and white. I mean, yeah, fair enough. I do too. If you like old films, this is this is so. What's so cool, and this is why I like this category, is it feels like an old movie because a it's black and white. B, it's in 4.3. It's grainy. It has the old film quality. It has old film technique. But the themes and ideas of the movie are more modern than I expected because it's a pre-code movie. And that is a benefit of the category. So if that sounds interesting or entertaining to you at all, check it out. I I love this movie. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I think I only have two recommendations here. My first is, like Bob said, if you kind of want just a very classic feeling, I don't know, romance, tragedy, kind of drama story. I think this is a very good example of that. Um, but my other recommendation is just like if you want a pre-code film, I think this is quintessentially kind of the weirdness you can expect from like pre-code cinematography. Like, not cinematography, cinema. Like this is just what I think of when I think of pre-code films. Which is so cool that this is the first one we got. Because I think it just fully encompasses stuff you're not going to see and any other time period of Hollywood. So if that sounds interesting. I, I definitely think it's worth a watch. Now, do you want to give it a rating? Because hmm. I know what I'm rating it. I know what you're probably going to give it. You know what? You go first. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm stuck. Five. I knew that. Okay. Well, shit. Yeah, I mean... That doesn't help me at all. I know, but to be honest, I I don't really have any issues with this film. In fact, I think my biggest issue is the fact that it was cut down, and I would like to see more. But that's not the fault of the director or any of the cast or the actors. That's the studio. And so I I don't want to take away points for that, especially because the film still holds up. I don't have any problems with what remains. I'm just like, wow, I wish I could see more. Aside from that, though, I, I just think it's very well written. It's a great cast. It's interestingly international because a lot of the actors are from like different places. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Hans um, and Fried are both German, and they speak a ton of German in the movie. Yeah, and I, <laughs> there maybe it'll be in the clips. There's some moments where I go, "What are they saying?" Yeah, it's it took just, German for four years. <laughs> I I just think it's great. It's just the 
it's exactly what I think of when I think pre-code films, and it's exactly what I want. So I, I think I have to give it a five. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it got it got preserved by the film registry. I think I also have to give it a five. And I, I the reason, I don't know if you saw, but you didn't see this audience, but Benjamin, you saw when you were saying, the only thing I have a problem with is that it got cut. And that was the reason I didn't want to give it a five. I was like, I want more. Like, but th- that's not the film's fault. You're right. And that's why I was like, I don't know if I should give it a lower score because of that. Like, that is my only thing is like, Give me that extra 30 minutes with these characters in this story. Like, it's so in, it's so well done. You just want well more. done and human rather than being like a, it, uh, it just, the story itself is timeless and it doesn't matter like who portrays what or like who you put in this place. The story itself is just so, it connects with anybody. You know what I mean? Cause it's just so brutal and sad and tragic. Yeah. It's so, so good. I have to give it a five for all the reasons Ben said. I, But also Johnny had a gun, and I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's simple, but it, it's it's very well done. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed myself. No, me too. I had such a good time. Such a sad, sad good time. Yeah, it's somber. Um, but on that note, though, I guess we're going to go to the outtakes. Sadly, we're not going to have as much as we want. Yeah. We basically missed everything in the last 15 minutes of the film, so the ending. I was going to say like 20. Yeah, but um, uh, we'll be right back after that. Yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware of the Board. I hope you're enjoying our viewer freak so far. I love this film. I think it's super great, but also very, very, very sad. But without further ado, let's get in to the outtakes. This first clip is my own intuition in realizing exactly what Hans is going to do before he even does it. <laughs> oh my god. This guy's going to cheat. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No! Why would she do this to him? This next clip is Ben pissing me off by pointing out the obvious. Let me thank you. (laughs) I know how to say thank you. I took the language for four years. This next clip is my reaction to finally figuring out what kind of movie this really is. And then there's Hercules. And poor, poor Frida. Oh my god! This movie's heartbreaking! Hi everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the outtakes, at least the ones we had. Yeah. Which sucks, man. I was so fucking mad when I looked back and it was broken. We got three really, really good outtakes at the end, and I was like, God damn it. God damn it. Okay. Do we have any announcements? Ben. No. I think our only announcement is um, check us out next Friday for whatever episode we're doing then. Yeah. <laughs> Bob was like, is that the right time of release? No. Oh, that. Oh, then I could have said what I wanted to say earlier. I thought the Halloween Horror Awards hadn't come out yet. No, it already came out. Yeah. Cocaine Bear, worst movie of the year. Oh, my God. That movie sucked. When you were talking about FNAF, I was like, no way. It was worse than Cocaine Bear. Uh, yeah. No. Well, 
okay, so I don't know. Structurally, Cocaine Bear might have been worse. God right? damn, that's really difficult. And acting-wise, Cocaine Bear might have been worse, right? Because, like, movie-wise, I don't think FNAF was a bad movie. Sure. Enjoyment level-wise, though, I think I had less fun. Okay. You the- hated Cocaine Bear. I did. I hated Cocaine Bear. But there was at least some fun moments in that film. Abby hated Cocaine Bear. But it was at least somewhat okay. I don't want to sit through Five Nights at Freddy's again. So I don't think we're going to review it on this podcast. Um, <laughs> anytime soon. Anytime soon. But if, Bob, if you want to go watch it in your free time. You're is, giving me the okay? This is me officially giving you the okay. I don't want to watch it because you said it was awful. It. Oh, yeah, I know. But um, Fuck. You don't have to. I'm just saying if you want to go watch it. I'm totally... Totally fine with you watching it off the podcast, and then you can come tell me your thoughts on it. No, later. That's well, not the point of me wanting to watch horror movies <laughs> off the podcast. Is I want to watch good movies that are <sighs> enjoyable. Well, go watch it with your friends. I, I know you were talking about that. No. Uh, with that no. being said, uh, yeah, we have an episode coming out next Friday, so check that out. Yeah, um, it'll actually be a surprise this time because Bob's done all three of his categories. It's true, honestly. Um, Oh, spoiler, audience, I might pick pre-code movies again. They're a lot of fun, right? This movie was really good. Yeah, there's there's some bangers left in that category. Well, I didn't like the Neo Monster ones. I think there's some solid movies in that category as well. Yeah. Same thing with um, Slurposaurus. I'm excited for those. Oh, me too, because Journey to Sinners was so good. It was a nice little break, and I loved it. And I, I really wanted to. We've only watched one horror movie this season. No, this was technically a horror movie. A horror movie. I know. But I really want to watch some more Slurposaur films. With that being said, though, usual spiel. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, other places on the internet. That includes YouTube, which is not necessarily the most convenient for podcasts, but it is kind of nice because, like, you can show us some love there with, like, your likes, your subscriptions. Also has this handy little bell button, which can tell you whenever we post um, a new episode of whatever I know when we're doing extra content, we have a weird release schedule that you might not be able to keep track of. YouTube's also nice because it's one of the two main places you can communicate with us at. You can do that in the comment section of a specific video if you want to talk to us about something there. Or you can go over to Twitter, at BewareTheBoard, talk to Bob, maybe give him some suggestions for his next clown act, (laughs) and maybe some of the little things he could do to keep you entertained on this podcast. Oh, my God. Call me a clown on the podcast. Clowns make a lot of money. Clowns, good clowns. Clowns make more money than I do, I think. Good clowns. Good clown. You have to be a good clown. That's fair. Frozo makes more money than I do. He was a good clown. Like Ben said, check us out on Twitter, at Beware the Board. It's where we post updates about the show, information about the show. Basically, if there's anything you want to know about the show, it goes on our Twitter. On Mondays, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically... A hit movie cover that you can reveal so you can see what the movie is so you can watch it before we do. So you can, whenever you listen to the podcast, you don't get any spoilers. And we're being vague about stuff. You know what we're talking about. Then on Fridays or whatever day an episode goes live, I post a link to the episode on our Twitter with maybe a meme if something was funny. So if you ever miss an upload or want to know when something went up, check us out there. Last thing, uh, short form. We're doing... I, I know I said I wanted to do two releases a week yeah, of short form. You said that literally on the last episode. And I was like, Bob's not going to do that. Well, here's what happened. I had Monday done. I released it, which was the Return of the Living Dead clip. Yes. Uh, and then I tried to find a clip for Wednesday, 
and I could not find one that was easy to do. You just have to start clipping through when you uh, edit these episodes. Yep, that's the thing. So I'm hoping to do Monday, Wednesday of... Well, actually, this will already come out. So hopefully Monday I'll have another clip, and then Wednesday... I actually, ha- I have a Black Christmas clip I'm working on right now. Yeah. I think the way that you'll eventually maybe start doing it is maybe doing one or two clips from the episode you're editing at the time. Maybe. You know? But it's, yeah, it's just hard to go back through and scrub old content when I'm looking for... Because the problem with YouTube fucking shorts is they have to be under a minute. Yeah. And it's so hard to find a conversation that has a good start and a good bookend in a minute. Fair enough. And during the podcast. Just do it while you're editing. Yeah. So, if you like short form content and like what we've been doing with short form lately, check us out at TikTok, at Beware the Board, and on YouTube Shorts. They're much better. They have video this time. Yeah, I, I like them. I think that Return of the Living Dead clip I made was pretty solid. It's very good. I will say, this is my only comment with them, and I'm actually going to post this out on the internet because I'm like, if, if you can help us, that would be nice. Uh, our one issue is I like the width of the shorts, yeah, like picture-wise, but I kind of want them to be taller. But if we change the aspect ratio, it cuts off the sides too much. I can make them taller without making them wider. Oh, well, do that a little bit. Well, how much? This is why I asked you. That's what I told you to do, and then we didn't do it. But you said 1080 by 1080 looked good, so that's what I've been doing. Yeah, looks okay. But if you wanted it wider, why didn't you say it? I thought that came across. Well, God damn you! That's one thing. Maybe show me one before you make it. Like, show me one taller. And, like, I'll tell you if it looks good. Because my issue is distortion. I don't want to distort it too much. It, it'll stretch it. Yeah, I know. So just let me see it before you post anything. Okay. It, it's really, there's a lot of black space on the top and bottom. Like, I kind of want to do something with this black space. Yeah. If you guys got any suggestions for what we can do with that space, let us know, too. Because right now it's just sitting there. And it's like, yeah. All right. I thought I'd bring that up. Sure. All right. On that note, though, we're going to go, though. Yeah. We'll uh, see you guys next week. 